assalamu alaikum and welcome to Islamophonic. We're in Germany for this program, so that must mean it's an Oktoberfest. Umpa, umpa, and tuck beers all round. In the show, we go to the pretty little town of Potsdam for a conference about Muslims and the media and Muslims in the media. We need to fight this new kind of fundamentalism, which I call insult fundamentalism. We go on a walking tour of a Muslim ghetto. It's something about the leafy trees and the cobbles that uh, terrifies you. I get serenaded on the streets of Berlin. They go to an Italian restaurant and it's Turkish. They buy their ice, the Italian ice cream and it's Turkish. And they, they're listening to German music and it's Turkish. I like that. And I talk Turkey with the German interior ministry. I mean, the Turkish people come in here, including my own parents. They never um, thought they would uh, actually stay here for 30, 40 years. First up, let's find out what happened at the M100 Sanssouci Colloquium in Potsdam. Here's organiser Sasha Havlicek from the Institute of Strategic Dialogue. We presented um, a piece of research and the research was a first step in the direction of providing um, a snapshot of the mediascape and the way that uh, both Muslim media and Muslims in the media are played out in the mediascape in Europe. We've developed a series of recommendations on the basis of those findings. Um, the findings really, I think, were a beginning to debunking certain myths that we have about, for instance, the emergence of segregated information societies in Europe. There isn't a similar level of activity or scrutiny for other minority groups. Is this purely because Muslims are seen as a security threat or because they are disproportionately discriminated against? Why should Muslims get preferential treatment from the media? Uh, I think there's, there's just no doubt that Muslims have been perhaps the prime focus of the media's attention in the post-9-11 period. There's no question that that's the result of a security crisis. Um, the media tends, as we know, at least news media tends to report um, crises, um, which is quite natural. It's, it's stuck with us and um, whether we like it or not, I think it's going to be part of the media landscape at least for some time to come. And so looking at ways to debunk some of the ideas that have gone along with um, this sort of spiralling of um, reporting of Muslims is going to be very important. Um, but there's no question that Muslims have been, you know, the focus of, uh, you know, the, a disproportionate focus of Western media attention in, in the last five years and have been under sort of hyper scrutiny more so than other communities. One of the speakers, apart from me, obviously, was a Professor Yaffle-like character called Fleming's Rose. His name won't mean anything to you straight away, but he was the guy who decided to print the Danish cartoons. Yes, the cartoons that caused the deaths of more than 100 people and launched a 1,000 bacon boycotts all over the world. The cartoons were published four years ago, and ever since I have been thinking about this issue and I have tried to put it in, in a broader context and, and not think specifically about Islam and Muslims but about the fact that we live in an increasingly complex world where borders are coming down 
both physical borders and people are migrating across borders to an extent that we've never seen before. And because of the of, of the technology of communication, images and and stories and text uh, move also around the world in a split second, and it loses its con- its original context. Um, and uh, and 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 every society in the world, be it Denmark, United Kingdom, Germany. Um, is getting more complex in terms of ethnicity, culture and religion. We have more and more groups and this process will will just increase. So my question is, how do we how do we handle, how do we cope with this situation uh, where we on the one hand want to preserve our civil liberties and among them freedom of expression and freedom of religion and on the other hand we don't want to create unnecessary trouble and and disturbance in our societies and 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 my answer to that question is that we have to accept that as individuals and as groups we don't have a special right not to be offended i am offended every day when i switch on my tv i am offended every day when i read the newspaper but it doesn't license me give me a license to tell those who speak that they should not be allowed to say what they do, uh, and and it's it's complicated. It's it's sometimes on very unpleasant, but but we, we we need to 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 fight this new kind of fundamentalism, which I call insult fundamentalism. That was Flemings Rose, who's the cultural editor of the Danish newspaper Gillen's Poster. Yeah. When it was all over, I wanted to know if people thought this conference was a good idea or just two days of preaching to the converted. We're in the process of actually recognising that there is something to be done about this. The lack of integration, the fact that the Europeans have for so long thought that this was a white European Christian, Judeo-Christian continent, the fact that accepting that there are Europeans who are brown, Muslim, uh, different and have different customs. And I think that process of recognition is a two-way street, integration is a two-way street. And I think we're in the process of that and obviously it's not going to be easy, but I think we started a conversation that we haven't had in Europe before. I'm Yasmin Alibi Brown. I'm a columnist on the Independent newspaper. What is the most striking thing that you've heard or come across during this conference, and what next? I think it's the whole internet revolution that seems to be liberating the inner voices of young Muslims. Um, I think there are huge dangers because they don't trust the mainstream media; they overtrust the internet. So the great dangers. But I think I feel at last they've got a place. And it's anonymous, a lot of it, where they can speak out. That was Yasmin Alibi-Brown and Sharda Islam talking about the M100 Sanssouci Colloquium in Potsdam. While the focus in Potsdam had been pan-European, I wanted to know more about the situation in Germany. So, before leaving for Berlin, I spoke to author and journalist Hilal Sezgin. It's not so easy to become a German citizen. You have to be here for eight years, and then you have to do a test and everything. But some people don't want to give up their former citizenship, so we have many people here. You're not allowed to take part in the elections and everything. 
Yeah, so this is a real problem of millions of Turkish people who are not Germans, though they've been living here for 20 or 30 years. Now, um, about the Muslims, well, you could say uh, there are many prejudices against them. I think that it's quite obvious that they're discriminated against on almost all levels of society. Um, not because people are really, I don't know, have a bad will or something, but they're ignorant uh, to an extent that is intolerant, you know. So... Um, of course, there is a certain fight of terrorism, but I think this is not the most important fight. Then we have this idea that, you know, the over-Islamification of Europe, you know, the media love playing with that idea, you know, and suggesting it. Um, and I think many people do think that as well. Then um, I think, in general, Muslims are perceived as, as very strange and other, you know, in particular women wearing a headscarf. Uh, Germans have been obsessed with the picture of women wearing a headscarf for quite a while now, um, assuming that all Muslim women are oppressed, while, of course, obviously, German women aren't, which I doubt very strongly. Doesn't sound like a barrel of laughs. Maybe she had the wrong end of the stick. Maybe the German government really did like immigrants. I went off to the Interior Ministry to get their take on the situation. Here's Ali Aslan, a German citizen of Turkish origin. What you have now is a situation where 2.5 million Turks live in Germany. 4 million Muslims, by the way, but 2.5 million Turks live in Germany, of which almost half have German citizenship and the other one doesn't because... Um, as you know, Germany, uh, the constitution of Germany doesn't allow for dual citizenship. And yes, it's true that it causes a dilemma for some Turks here. Not for all, but, but for some, they don't, they don't want to give up their Turkish citizenship. Not because um, it's practical. If anything, it's, uh, it's not. Because uh, if you possess a Turkish citizenship, um, you are required almost in every single country to, to obtain a visa uh, prior to entering. So it's not a very useful uh, citizenship, to be frank. Turks are very emotional people with uh, very strong, if not even irrational ties to their motherland. I say irrational because most, most of these people who refuse to, to obtain German citizenship and give up the Turkish one in, uh, in exchange never lived in Turkey. Don't even speak Turkish properly. So it's almost out of spite for some. I sometimes do deplore the fact that uh, my my fellow countrymen, if you will, meaning other young Turks, uh, are not as ambitious as as they should be. Of course, you can you can lament and deplore the disadvantages you might have, social disadvantages you might have coming in as a young Turk. But I think that shouldn't be an excuse not not to at least try, you know, to do, to do your best and. Uh, I know personally of many, many great examples of, of young Turks in Germany who've done exactly that, namely overcome, uh, beat the odds. You know, you can beat the odds in Germany. The system is only slowly adapting to the needs of, of, of young students, uh, young pupils with a migrant background, something that was unfortunately desperately uh, um, dangerously ignored and neglected throughout the past four decades. And, but yes, having said that, I would also like to see uh, young migrants and young Turks in particular in Germany adopt a more, more ambitious set of mind. Wow, with friends like that, who needs enemies? So if Ali Aslan is right, 
Turks living in Germany are an embarrassment to their motherland. They're lazy, with no ambition, and totally irrational. They probably ride donkeys and use hay bales as currency. Where can I find these good-for-nothing Turkish bums, I thought. I put a call into Sandman New Berlin Tours, who put me in touch with a chap called Luke Hyten, who is English, not Turkish. But he does live in Neukölln, which rather charmingly has been nicknamed Little Istanbul. We've stopped now, and you said earlier that we were in the heart of the Neukölln Badlands. <laughs> Absolutely, and it feels really dangerous, doesn't it? Yeah, I know, those, that bird song is really setting my teeth on edge. Exactly, it's something about the leafy trees and the cobbles that uh, terrifies you. Certainly, there is a popular perception that this area is a lot more dangerous um, uh, than it is that people are living parallel lives to a greater extent than they are. I think, um, as far as that goes, I mean, you, it's it's a question of personal choice. Um, I don't think anybody need, um, should be living a parallel life. I would be very surprised if most of the Turkish and Arabic pop people here would say that they lead parallel lives to the majority of Germans. I think that they would probably feel. Um, as closely connected with um, Germans and people like me and people from other parts of Europe um, as I do to them. Now, before I came out to Berlin, um, I read an article in uh, Spiegel Online and mm -hmm. it said that this area and Kreuzberg were like ghettos for Turks and Arabs and that you would never see any non-Turks or non-Arabs there and there was no integration, that people were leading parallel lives and... This isn't really something that I've seen at all. In fact, it's quite the opposite. There does seem to be quite a lot of mixing and mingling. And, and you know, yes, you have Turkish and Arab-owned yeah. businesses, yeah. but they're not exclusive. Absolutely. I, th I think as much as anything, that probably reflects the fact that the people writing those articles uh, probably live in the West, in, in Schöneberg, in Charlottenburg, um, where there is still a Turkish population still in um, uh, an Arabic population, but um, it's, it is a very, very different world. I don't think they come here. I don't think they spend any time here. Um, uh, I don't think they would choose to. I don't really think they know what they're talking about. Now I'm really confused. The German government think there's a problem. The German media talk about there being a problem. Hillel says there's a problem, but not the one the government and media think there to be. If I were Jewish, I'd say oy vey, but I'm not, so I won't. But I decided to stick around the district of Nokoen to learn more. Of course you'll know that was the winning entry of the Eurovision 2003 Song Contest. And the man behind it, Jürgen Kerling, is now spreading his talent in a different direction by building bridges between Germans and Turks. When I started here together with my partner Unal, there was a big frontier between German and Turkish community because uh, nobody knew anything about each other. Uh, starting with our activities and starting with the, the fact that Turkish people became interest uh, became an interesting factor for the business as well uh, in Germany, uh, this frontier became a little smaller and smaller and smaller and nowadays we have at least the possibility to talk to each other without these hardcore prejudices that we that the people had in, in 2001 where Germans thought that uh, Turkish women are cooking only with garlic they have the scars and uh, scarves and they have uh, they were beaten by their husbands and so on and now they are learning that these people are quite normal like the German community so 
uh, this is something that happens right now. So everything is coming together and Berlin likes more and more the Turkish community because it brings uh, new uh, cultural influences and as well uh, financial influences. I've been speaking to people in the interior ministry and they say that there's lots of work to be done on integration. Yeah. Is that something you would agree with? They say, oh, well, you know, we don't want people to stop being Turkish, but we encourage people to become German citizens yes. so they can vote. It's a, it's a nice sentence because, uh, first of all, they invented 40 questions that even a German uh, citizen can't answer in order to get a passport. Uh, my partner, you know, says uh, as long as they don't say, please, you are welcome to join our passport, I won't do it because this is not a welcome. These people are living here, these people have the right to vote, these people are thinking in German, they, they are born here. And the thing with the integration, I think, basically, it's, it's very much connected to some kind of problems. And as long as the interior ministry says it's a problem, I think it's a solution. And when it comes becomes a solution, even in the branding, the wordings in their in their sentences, then I think a lot of Turkish people would just say, okay, of course I get a German passport. Jürgen is not alone in his quest. Helping him and the government to fulfill this dream is Sefo who right now is a security guard at McDonald's, but he set his heart on bigger things. I love Craig David. <laughs> <laughs> Seven days walking away, fill me in and so weiter. Also, ich bin ein Riesenfan. On the way to see my friends, so lift a couple blasts away from me out. As I walk through the subway, must have been about quarter past three in front of me. Do the ladies love Sefo? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> They think I'm sweet. <laughs> that was Sefo serenading me on the streets of Berlin. So, what did I learn from my 72 hours in Germany, apart from wanting to live there? Well, the government needs to decide if Islam is the problem or Turkey is. It seemed to me they were using Islam and perceptions of it as an excuse to fudge key issues. Telling Turks that only German citizenship is okay while simultaneously obstructing Turkey's EU membership is a recipe for disaster. And the media need to stop making stuff up. Seriously, if Kreuzberg and Nürnberg are ghettos, then I want to live there. These places make Stoke Newington look like a sink estate. That's all for our Oktoberfest. This was Islamophonic and it was produced by Andy Duckworth and presented by me, Riazat Bhatt. Danke schön für listening and until next month, Auf Wiedersehen and Waalaikum Assalam. Yeah, tonight is your night. Yeah, it's it. Eyes take a minute, they more realize. Do you see me when you fantasize? Oh, tonight is your night. Yeah. You are better than Craig David. <laughs> you rock. <laughs> <laughs>